getting toward the end of our series, uh, looking at wisdom from the book of Proverbs. So we're looking today at uh, these passages that speak to this idea of the, the inner life, uh, the reality of sometimes crushed spirit, wounded spirit, but then a, a, a movement prayerfully toward gladness or joy. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about this week. And then next week will be our last one in this series before Advent. And next week is uh, a sermon on sex. So uh, you maybe have seen the video from the email uh, this last week, but uh, just wanted to give a heads up, particularly parents, as you're thinking about it, feel free to reach out to me with questions. Would encourage you to read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. So this is a topic that is covered a great deal in the book of Proverbs, which is why we're one of the reasons that we're talking about it. And, um, and I, I recognize that the, the topic carries with it just a, a lot of confusion and a lot of weight and heaviness, particularly in the conversations that are having in our culture. And we're going to um, just address all of that. We're not. This is going to be one uh, conversation among many, right? This is a, a, a large topic, but that's uh, what's going to be coming next week. So just reminder, heads up, feel free to reach out to me with questions. Uh, this week, though, we are talking about uh, the inner life, uh, emotions, mental health. There are a number of ways that we can talk about it and think about it. And uh, I, I think we, we need to recognize and, and actually celebrate that the Word of God talks about uh, these things, uh, addresses them. Uh, and I, I think, uh, as it talks about the reality, also gives us uh, great uh, hope. I actually read this, uh, this list of presenting issues uh, about a month and a half ago, but it's incredibly applicable, and it was, just, it was powerful for me, and so uh, that's sometimes what you get, that these things that stand out to me. Uh, when we were at Covenant, uh, where my two, two of my kids are, uh, older two kids are, uh, one of the administrators read this list of presenting issues for their counseling center over the previous year. Uh, and I'm going to read that, that list again. So these are areas of issues of concern among those at the Counseling Center. It was over 300 students over the year before. Perfectionism, alcohol use, chronic illness, social anxiety, panic attacks, sexual assault, insomnia, drug use, suicidal ideation, dependencies, pornography, assertiveness, academic probation, marital problems, ADHD or ADD, depression, eating disorders, blended family issues, stress, anxiety, gender dysphoria, grief and loss, acculturation issues, conflict resolution, self-harm, sexual activity, sexual abuse, learning disabilities, study skills, Asperger's, trauma recovery, same-sex attraction, self-worth, homesickness, decision-making, codependency, psychosomatic issues, roommate conflict, spiritual struggles, time management, relationship issues, premarital issues, anger, rage, divorce recovery. You probably, as you hear that list, I don't know how you respond. There's some sense in which it was heavy to me, and then there's also a sense in which probably every one of us sees ourselves in at least one of those issues one of those lists, that, that it resonates with us. And uh, this recognition, there's even more and more conversation about the fact that, that mental health is uh, more and more an issue these days. And we could talk about stats of folks 
struggling with depression or suicidal ideation or all kinds of, uh, of things, right? And, and you've probably heard the stats and don't remember exactly what they were, but it, it, it makes sense to you because we, we, we experience some of these uh, realities in our own lives and, and at different times to different degrees, but uh, it, it is something that we're very much aware of as uh, an issue and something that we don't always talk a lot about. And one of the things that I think we want to do this morning is recognize that the Bible does talk about these things in really significant ways and says that these things are really important and they matter and that we should both be talking about them and thinking about them and addressing them. And uh, so as we look at these selected verses from Proverbs, three points that we're going to see. The importance of the inner life, the complexity, and the hopefulness. The importance, the complexity, and the hopefulness. And, and this is one of those uh, topics as well as we think about, I think really last week, this week, next week, that there's just, there is a great deal of complexity and this is just part of the conversation. That this is not going to be exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, and I hope that it's a, a helpful part of conversation that we engage in. Uh, but let me pray as we have that conversation. Lord, I, I do pray for your word to come powerfully into our hearts and to, to move us toward hope in Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The, the first thing that we see here is the importance and the fact that uh, the writers of Scripture and certainly uh, Proverbs here recognize the importance, the priority of our uh, inner life, our mental health, our thought processes. And we, we see on these verses all that is talked about. You have on one side... There is a conversation about anxiety, heart sickness. We just kind of go down the list here. Bitterness, uh, heartache, uh, envy, which could maybe be translated as uh, kind of a mix of envy or hot anger. It's not really translatable directly. Uh, broken spirit, sorrow, crushed spirit. Uh, those on one side and the other side, gladness, uh, joy, laughter, tranquil heart, uh, cheerful face. And then there are a few places that mention the tree of life. And I think it's actually helpful for us to note that tree of life is this image of flourishing and flourishing in the inner life and, and really in every single way. Uh, tree of life is a, uh, an image that occurs in three places in Scripture. It's here and then it's in creation. Genesis 1 in the Garden of Eden where God has given them the tree of life and it's beautiful for their flourishing. And this is even before the fall and before brokenness and Masses entered into the world. And then we see it again in Revelation when there's the promise of all things made right. And there is the tree of life. It is, again, this idea of flourishing in every way possible. It's like the best of what we could imagine. And we've talked about the fact that wisdom, being skilled in the art of godly living, is the fact that Yahweh, the Lord, who wants to be our God and us to be his people, that he gives us wisdom so that we might flourish. And that we might flourish in every way. And here, addressing the issue of our inner life. And some of the words that we find uh, in these passages and elsewhere as it talks about inner life is a reference to the spirit or the heart. Um, and uh, it, it essentially this idea of the spirit or the heart is, is more than we typically think of when we use those words. It, it's, it's the depth of who we are. And it, it, it is actually a part of all of life. So it's not just like the spiritual part of your life over here, and then, then you've got the other parts over here. 
uh, or it's not just your emotions. It's, it's actually this picture of your will and your desires and your emotions and the things that you do, the things that drive you forward, whether you think about them or not, that this is the spirit that is discussed throughout scripture. What drives you forward? And uh, we've talked before about the idea that you, uh, it, James K. Smith wrote a book called You Are What You Love, that the things that drive you the most are the things that you love, whether you think about it or recognize it or not. It's not always the things that you know, it's the things that actually you love and drive you forward. And the spirit, our inner life, our, uh, all of who we are, uh, is driven forward in a particular way, whether we think about it or not. And it includes our mental health and our thinking and the, and the way that we move through this world. And so we find the importance of it in chapter 18, verses, verse 14. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? What, what, what's he saying here? You, you can experience something difficult in life, illness, but you can bear it. You will endure if your spirit is in a good place. But a crushed spirit, who can bear this? It's hard to move through life with a crushed spirit, a wounded spirit. But if our spirit is in, the, in this helpful place, if it's experiencing the, the tree of life, if it's experiencing the joy or the tranquil heart, that it, it can endure things when they are difficult. Who can bear, though, a crushed spirit? And scripture continually is, is moving us and encouraging us to find uh, a heart that is, is rooted in, uh, in the Lord. The wisdom we, we've talked about before, the, the root of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's right relationship with him. And, and that we can experience difficulty. We can experience hard things around us when we're moving toward a healthy inner life. Paul recognizes this multiple times, lots of places in the New Testament. Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. We're familiar with verse 13, most likely. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. But the, the verses before that are speaking about the context here, helping us understand that what, what he means when he says that. He's talking very specifically about contentment, even when things are difficult. Verse 11, Philippians 4, verse 11 and not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, having a, a healthy inner life. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It, he's, he's recognizing it is difficult. This this powerful verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, is, is recognizing that in order to have a healthy inner life, to move toward contentment, takes work of the Lord in our lives. And so Paul prays as he prays for people at different times. It's a, a great exercise to go through the letters of Paul and to see his prayers and what he's praying for in the midst of incredible difficulty. One example, just one of many I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and following. And Paul is in prison, and he's writing to a people who are facing the possibility of persecution and imprisonment themselves for following Jesus. And yet he doesn't pray for their circumstances. He actually prays for their inner life. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. His prayer is that they would be strengthened with the love of God through the power of the Spirit in their inner being. Not necessarily that things, that their circumstances would change, but that their hearts and inner life would be strengthened. There is an incredible importance to our uh, inner life. Now, we, we live in a time, I think, that fortunately recognizes this more and more. And, and I've seen this change over my own lifetime that there has, has been often a stigma associated with mental health issues. And we're, we're, we're making strides and movement there, we, but we still struggle with that, right? Like the, you may have noticed this year, the Colts have uh, essentially a, um, uh, they call it kicking the stigma of mental health issues. And they say, it's okay to not be okay, right? Like th- there is a recognition that we're moving in that direction, but there's still oftentimes a stigma associated with mental health issues. And it is good for us to recognize that the Bible, this isn't something that's new, the Bible for a long time has put a great importance on our inner life, on our mental health, on these particular issues. And so we need to be able to think well about these things, to talk about them. And I'm going to get in a moment, it can feel like even reading some of the verses that I read, that there's like a simplistic answer or just you know, have the love of Jesus and all things are okay. It is more complex than that. The second point is the complexity of this. But there is, first of all, a need to say, yeah, these things really matter. And they matter for us in in pretty significant ways as individuals. I think it's also helpful for us to note that the importance comes for us as, as individual people. Because there's a sense in which we are called regularly to experience life together. And I I regularly remind us that we live in this hyper-individualistic culture, and we need to be reminded of the fact that we live in community and that we're called into the people of God, not just as individuals. But the scripture also recognizes that God cares about us deeply as individual people. And, And we experience our inner life. It's incredibly individual. No one actually can fully understand us. Look at chapter 14, verse 10. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. There's this picture of the, the, the other person doesn't fully understand what is going on in our own hearts. And, and in fact, if we look at verse 16, chapter 16, verse 2, we don't even understand our own hearts, much less have the ability to understand another's. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord, Yahweh, the personal God who wants relationship with us, He weighs the spirit. We don't even understand our own hearts, much less someone else's. There is a sense in which we are alone without the Lord. Uh, A number of years ago, a movie came out, not that many years ago, called A Marriage Story. Uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. It's about it's uh, an emotionally heavy movie about a relationship, a marriage breaking apart. Time Magazine's article uh, was titled this. Noah Baumbach's marriage story understands that no one outside a marriage can know the truth of it. 
No one outside the marriage can know the truth of it. Even as it is really helpful for us to try to bring people in and share what's going on, only the people in the marriage know. This is true of any relationship we have, but what we find here is that it's true of our own hearts even more. Nobody can know the depth of what is going on in our own hearts. Not even us, actually. And so what we find is that there's this picture of there's a God, though, who does know. The Lord weighs the Spirit. He knows what is going on. And there, I think, is, is both a, something that is stark here. We're, we're utterly alone without him. But he continually offers himself in relationship with us. He deeply cares about, loves us, likes us in all of our particularity. God is engaged. These things matter to him because we, as individuals, matter to him. And so there's a call then for us to, to, to talk about these things, to think about our own inner life, to understand them as best we can. And one of the ways that we understand them or attempt to understand them, is to recognize the complexity. So it's incredibly important, but it is also incredibly complex. So there's no easy answers to our anxiety or depression or mental health issues. It's incredibly complex. That's why it falls into the category of wisdom, of of knowing when and how to think about these things. There, There are five different aspects of mental health Uh, that I think we find in these passages. And these were really helpful for me, these categories. Uh, I got these categories from uh, from Keller and found them just very helpful for me to think about the way these things play out. The first is physical. There's a physical aspect to our, our mental health. Chapter 14, verse 30. The tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy, again, that idea of like hot anger, uh, envy makes the bones rot. This is living in light of the world which God created. He created a physical world. He created us physically, and he cares deeply about us and our physicality. There is no biblical separation between the spiritual and the physical. The Bible doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. He cares about our physical bodies. It's one of the reasons that we love the Lord's Supper, that we are able to touch and taste the bread and the wine. He is, he is engaging us with our physical senses. It's not just this spiritual thing or this thought process. He cares about us as physical beings. And here we see that our, our mind affects the body and we think that the other is, they, they affect one another actually. But we see here that the tranquil heart gives light, life to the flesh. The flesh is, is the body. And, and envy breaks, makes the bones rot. It actually has an effect on the physical body, and the physical body has effect on the mind, that those two things work together. We know this intuitively in our lives. When we haven't had a lot of sleep, we're more irritable. We're more bothered when we're not exercising. Those things affect our, our mental health. It, it's why there are times that our, our hormones or chemicals affect, we, and there are times where we might need medication to uh, uh, help us deal with um, the things that we're struggling with. It, it's, it's why we uh, engage these kinds of things. But we also recognize that it's complex. This is not the only answer. It's not just as simple as if you get enough sleep and you exercise enough, or if you go see a doctor and you get the right medication, then everything's going to be fine. It's much more complex than that. And, and in fact, if we, if we go down that road, we're just going to be disappointed. It, it made me think of uh, Chris Traeger in Parks and Rec. He is uh, a character played by Rob Lowe, and he is like obsessed, like OCD with his health. 
He, he eats all the right things and he exercises perfectly and he's just, just everything is right. And so he is just like devastated when he gets sick. And I think, I can't remember, I think it's the flu. He gets the flu and he is like, it just totally messes with his mind. And it's actually a great picture of us when we, we try to think that we're in control. And so, oh, I can get a hold of my physical life and I can eat all the right things and I can take the right medication and I'm just, everything's going to be fine. And, and what happens is we find ourselves out of control and something comes in and wrecks the thing that we think we had control of and we're devastated and we don't know what to do. If we think that this is going to all be fixed physically, we're, we're going to be disappointed. It's not just physical. The second is that it's relational. Chapter 12, verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. The good word is the relational aspect that we have with one another. I spent two sermons talking about our speech and the power that it has in the lives of others. Right? We talked about the fact that sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can destroy the soul. And then the next week, we talked about the fact that it can actually enliven the soul and give life as well. It is powerful to change our, our mental health. Our relationships matter. And when our relationships are broken, it affects our, our mental health. When there is stress or tension or conflict, it affects our anxiety or our joy. It has all kinds of significant implications. So a good word makes him glad, but we also see that the opposite is true in chapter 15, verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. So the gentle tongue, the, the life-giving relationship is a tree of life, that flourishing but perverseness and it breaks the spirit. The words of others have the opportunity to, to bring in the tree of life and the flourishing to us or to break our spirit. Our relationships matter. We know that, that loneliness is, is discussed as an epidemic these days and, and it has incredible implications. There was a study that came out in the last couple of years that got a lot of attention that said the highest risk factor for addiction and homelessness is lack of relationship. Essentially, loneliness to the, to the greatest degree. Without those connections, there is uh, incredible destruction. Our, our relationships matter immensely for our mental health. It's not just physical and relational. It's, it's, there's also a moral aspect. Chapter 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues. What, what is happening here? It's this picture of... Because of the fall, we all have brokenness and rebellion and guilt upon us. It's why we have a confession of sin every week, so that we can actually step into that and deal with it. Because when we don't, what do we, what do we find? We find the wicked, they, they know it. It's this general sense of guilt, and they flee even when no one's pursuing because they have this general sense of guilt hanging over them, causing them to, to worry and to flee. This can be true for us, even if we've accepted the forgiveness of Christ, we can sit in our guilt and we can have this overwhelming sense, but there is a beauty in confessing our sin and looking to him for forgiveness. That it can, that it can put us in the position, it's actually the only, we know at this point that the only way that we can actually truly experience righteousness is when we experience the righteousness of Christ. And that can give us an incredible boldness then, to know that we're loved and accepted and cared for, no matter what's going on, even when we make mistakes, we sit in that and it gives us boldness. It gives us confidence. It gives us hope. 
There's this moral aspect. And so there's a beauty in confession to allow us to, to own it and then to find forgiveness. That's the promise of the gospel. That's the promise of Christ's work. And it affects our inner life. Physical, relational, moral, existential. There's an existential reality to our mental health. Look at chapter 14, verse 13. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. The end of joy may be grief. We have talked about as well the fact that death is something that exists, and it comes for all of us. There is grief. The the fact that we experience joy and laughter is true in this world, but but grief will come for all of us because death comes. And there's a sense in which the death comes for us, for me and for you, but it also comes around us. So loved ones or pets or people that are friends, family, death comes and it is painful and it brings us grief and that absolutely affects our mental health. So it's not only the fact that we experience it around us, but we know that it's coming for us. And so there's this existential effect on our own mental health and inner life. And the the way that we address that is we step into the way that the scripture hits it head on. It recognizes that it's true. It owns the reality. It says this is not the way it's supposed to be. And there is hope offered in the resurrection. There is hope offered in the one who conquers death. That is Jesus. And so we need to recognize that impact, the reality of death and its impact on our inner life. And then lastly, I didn't know whether to call this spiritual faith, the way that we talk about spirit. It's, it's more than just the, you know, the, the walk with God, the relationship with him. And yet there is a sense in which our relationship with the Lord, our, our spiritual life and, and that definition of the word, it affects our inner life. It affects our Mental state, chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed only folly. Knowledge that is sought by the heart of him who understands, knowledge is rooted in the fear of the Lord. So remember the context here that the writer of the Proverbs keep coming back to is wisdom, knowledge. It's all rooted in relationship with Yahweh, with the one who says, I am the one who says, I am your God and you are my people. And our relationship matters. Our religious life, our relationship with him matters deeply and it affects us in powerful ways. And so we pursue that knowledge. We seek to grow in that. There's a sense here in which the words of God and relationship with him and prayer, those things affect our mental state. Now, again, to be clear, this is a complex issue and it, all of these play together. So we're not saying, just as we weren't saying, if you take the right medication, everything's gonna be okay. Or if you just have good relationships with no conflict, you're gonna be okay. Or if you get all your stuff together, morally, you're gonna be okay. Or if you uh, comprehend death well, you're gonna be okay. Or if you just read your Bible enough and pray enough, then you're going to be okay. None of those things are true. This is, this is incredibly complex. And, and we wish that it weren't. Sometimes I wish they were just much easier. Okay, if I did this, then it would, if I just read my Bible enough, then it would fix my mental state. 
Would, would it be nice if that were the case? Or if there were a pill I could take and everything would just be fine. We have to step into the messiness of this world and not focus only on one. But we do want to try to think about what might steps be that I would take. Is it that I need to uh, rekindle a relationship with somebody who was helpful for me or uh, restore a broken relationship? Or is it that I need to see a counselor or, or think about medication? Or is it that I, I need to confess maybe a particular sin or just confess more and, and deal with my own uh, brokenness or uh, there are all kinds of steps that we could be taking or thinking about moving in a helpful direction. And one of the things is recognizing is it's relational. We can do that together. And yes, it is our own hearts, what's going on here, but, but we can move in that direction together. And as we think about all those, we, we, we can move forward in healthy ways, but to be uh, honest, we all know that we're not going to be able to just, okay, if I just address all five, then I'll be good, right? I just I, I, I deal with each category as it needs to be dealt with, and then I'm going to fix it. No, there are going to be things that crush us. There are going to be things that are difficult. There are going to be things that happen, and we're going to feel, we're going to find ourselves in that place that Chris Traeger did when we don't know what to do with ourselves. We don't know how to think about life and what's real, and what's good, and what's best for us. And when that happens, when we, when we lose a job or a relationship is broken and we feel crushed, what do we do? We're just going to try harder or try something new, try a new relationship or a new job or whatever it might be. What's the response? Just give up? Well, what we find here is that there is a hope given because in order to step into all of these, we find one who, who himself entered into the world where he himself was crushed. In Sunday school, just last week, we looked at Isaiah 53, that is this prophecy that Jesus makes clear is about him, the suffering servant. And it says that we're almost to the Advent season, that, that he comes as a suffering servant and he was crushed for you and for me. And so we can put our hope in him and that offers us forgiveness. It, it does address the guilt and it addresses uh, the ways in which we fail to live up to his calling on our lives in which we struggle to deal with our own mental health, he steps in and he says, there's hope that I am offering. There's hope that I am addressing in, in your life. That he died on a tree, in fact. I think that imagery is, is significant that where Adam and Eve, in regards to the tree, they failed. Jesus did not fail. That he suffered and he died. That he was crushed so that we might, in the midst of our tendency to struggle with all of these things that we might find some hope that we might find the hope that is offered in forgiveness the hope that is offered in relationship the hope that is offered in resurrection itself so that our bodies would be resurrected one day and perfected one day that all of these things will be made right and that can give us hope now as we look and we trust in him knowing that it's it's complex and it's messy and so it is at times, finding the mix of laughter and heartache and joy and grief together, but it is that we can, in those moments, find that joy and that laughter and that gladness and that cheerfulness because of what he has accomplished for us. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would, through the power of your spirit, fill us with a hopefulness in our inner lives. We know that this is a work of yours, and so we think of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, 
that we all would be strengthened by the love of Jesus in our inner beings. You are able to do this, and we pray that you would. In Christ's name we pray, amen.